the whole jumpstart program really kind of did a lot of good things, but it's also kind of the program that launched a thousand flippers. Uh, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't pay a dollar more than this. And, mm-hmm. you know, because you have all these other obligations to get. And then someone else comes in and says, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make $400,000 off. They're, they they have all these false uh, premises or ideas on what's going to happen. And uh, so everyone's going down with the ship. <laughs> Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that will be familiar to many of us living in Germantown, but it also might be a little bit controversial. There's a famous line from a Robert Frost poem that good fences make good neighbors. And what that means is that good neighbors respect other people's properties. So that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. There's a lot of real estate development happening here in Germantown these days, both on a large scale and a small scale. And while we all know that construction can be messy, there are times when you wonder if some of the rehab projects that are happening are being done by professionals or by amateurs. Um, In fact, you know, some of this activity is not being done according to code or with the right permits. So our guests today are going to talk a little bit about the the, the disruption that can happen on a street when a rehab project starts. My two guests are Jim Baer who has lived in Germantown for 20 years with his friend, with his wife, Mora. Sorry about that. We're friends. We're yes. friends. <laughs> and he's also founder of uh, G-Town Radio. And joining him is his friend and other real estate investor, Judy Claypole, who, who is going to give us some advice on things to do if you find yourself in a similar situation like Jim. Welcome to the show, you guys. Oh, good morning. Thanks. Thank good morning, Alina. So, so Jim, give us a bit of the background. Uh, what section of Germantown do you live in? And uh, give us a little bit of the context of the situation on your block. So we live in uh, southwest Germantown, and we're in an old Victorian twin. As best I can tell, it probably was built by 1895. So it's a pretty old house. Um and we've lived there for about 14 years. Uh, the majority of that time, uh, we had the same neighbor, an, an older woman, who uh, was working, then retired while we were there, and was never really in great health. She was never really in a situation to maintain the house. So as the years went on and her health deteriorated, uh, the house did as well. And I think near the end, she was really confined to maybe one or two rooms of it. You know, no one really knew what was going on until she passed away. So, yeah. So how many years ago was it that she, she passed? Uh, we're coming up on three years now. Coming up on three years. Okay. So when she passed away, were there, um, local heirs, were the, an adult son or adult daughter who lived in the area who took over the property? There were siblings who kind of inherited everything. She didn't have any children herself. So the siblings took over, um, I know they struggled with trying to get some things in order because there was no will or any, you know, end of life plans or anything like that. So 
I know they struggled just to even to get the, the, the property transferred. Mm-hmm. You and your wife did think about possibly acquiring the property because it was a twin. So, Judy, what was the situation when Jim approached you about possibly taking on this, you know, Herculean task of renovating this uh, this property? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I believe uh, Jim came, you know, came to me just as a friend and to say, hey, this is the situation. I think the owner had just passed away. And he was talking to, I think, her, her sisters or her sister and her brother, her family members that were in charge of the property. And he had expressed to them his interest, you know, in the property. Um, he also expressed, I, I believe, uh, to me as well, the condition of the property. And he did a lot of history, uh, kind of research on the property, you know, to see what possible liens were against it and what was going on, you know, what, what would have to be paid off, basically. And what was your initial diagnosis as to whether or not this was a good, a good project for him to take on? Yeah, well, it's a big project. You know, that it was a little overwhelming to be honest with you. The houses are gorgeous when they're finished. They're very big, and it's a three-story plus the basement, and the whole house really is needs to be redone. Was, so, was this like three thousand square feet, or I would say about twenty five hundred yeah, close to it, okay. close to it. So it's it's overwhelming when you walk through. You know, they're they're big houses. So what we did is we talked about really what an offer should be, you know, based right. on um, what he needs to put into it, which is really the, the most important part. And then also um, what needs to be paid off against the property to make sure that he receives a free and clear deed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's very important. A lot of times liens come up and tax liens, personal liens, things come up that people don't realize are against a property that they're buying. You know, and that's... Um, that's really important. So, so what was your initial take in terms of what his um, offer should be? Do you remember what you re- recommended? I mean, we we were talking somewhere between I think fifty and sixty thousand dollars for the property. Oh, well, you know, initially, then, initially, uh, you were like forty to fifty is probably yeah. The investor in me says <laughs> low as possible. Um, you know, I I think I said sixty was like the high right. to be generous. Correct is is where I was at with that because I believe you know when people inherit properties and I've seen this personally. I, I I was trying to purchase a property and I dealt with the same thing. They think well, people you know they want money out of the property. They want an inheritance. They want something, and especially which is which is normal, right? And if they think that there is when when they see a lot of development, people buying. Um, I think people get a little greedy and they don't realize really what the value is, like what they have, maybe not worth as much as they think. And that's where, you know, numbers and, and negotiations um, can get a little little sketchy. I, I also think at the same time mm-hmm. that uh, they were also, in addition to me expressing interest in it, they were basically getting inundated with we buy homes mm-hmm. type offers. Ugly houses, right. right. Yes. Uh, things like that. People who are uh, wholesalers, middlemen, and uh, they were making them offers that were just night and day, like over $90,000. Right. So, so what was the true after repair value of the property? I mean, we were thinking about between 250 275 I mean, we were saying... Right. So I, was... I actually on our on one of my neighbors on our block is actually a very well-known realtor and I talked to her about this and based on 
the location, a few mm-hmm. doors in from a bus stop. There's no uh, driveway, things like that. She said, you know, because of that, you can't really expect to get over three. It's probably more 280, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere okay. around there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so Jim, you were potentially looking, if, if you and, and, and Judy had been successful, you were potentially looking at um, a purchase price, let's say around 50 to 60, and then uh, you were thinking, what, another 100K? In rehab, mm-hmm. 120 to 140, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh, so potentially you'd be all in for 200k. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your offer, did you get any interest with the with the heirs with your offer, or did they at the time again because they were being given numbers like the ninety one thousand. So, so what 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 do I observe from my perch <laughs> in my third floor office was so these strangers were kind of showing people the house. And I remember one day there was guys in a car out front talking. So I just chatted them up. They were from like New York or New Mm. Jersey Mm -hmm. uh, being shown this house by this guy who was trying to sell it on their behalf. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I think it's probably going to be about $140,000 to fix this thing up. Um, So anyway, so you had these people coming through and uh, there was, Nothing ever worked out. They all bombed out, and mm-hmm. it, the house sat for the better part of a year before it finally went somewhere. So, at what point did you realize that it had been sold and that there was a new owner? That happened this summer, mid to late summer, and you, I kind of noticed there was an uptick in activity. And then the the one sister uh, of the woman who lived there told me that they did in fact sell it. Come the day of the settlement, uh, they came out guns blazing, ready to to go to work on this property. Okay. Okay. So what do you mean by that exactly? They showed up with a crew of guys and just started – there was a lot of stuff in the house that the family was going to leave. They did not want to be responsible for removing all this stuff. So they showed up on day one hauling out as much stuff as possible you know and we were like hey they're like oh we're gonna make this look great and that's great and you know if you need any help let us know you know uh obviously every it was in everybody's best interest for this to work out Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where things started and uh that was the beginning of a very uneven if not rocky relationship with the people doing the property the owners the new owners so okay so you so you see this this crew show up and they start like removing all the clutter, furniture, yep. and is it going into a dumpster or is it going into trucks or? Uh, so what they did is they had hired like a uh, extra long like U-Haul truck and they were hauling stuff directly into that, uh, but also just hauling stuff outside. So this went on for the better part of a week and a half or so of them just kind of going full out, taking stuff out of there. Uh, But what they also started to do was they also started to fill the backyard with these overflowing contractor bags of debris from the house and just accumulating it in the backyard. So I'd actually sent you a picture. We can share it later. Yeah. I mean, I can post the picture on on our website. So we we don't have a large backyard, but that being said, the entire yard was filled about two to three feet high with the debris from this property. So that was going on. There was incredibly loud banging on our party wall one day, and it, it left a, a big crack down the center of our plaster wall on the third floor from what they were doing. And then additionally, our son, who uh, was three at the time, loved to play on the porch with his trucks. And uh, the dust and the dirt that was coming out of this place that they didn't really remediate at all 
the one day, everything on her front porch was caked in a layer of, I mean, it's like maybe 120-year-old dust. Who knows what's in it? Asbestos and... Yeah, who knows what's in there? Yeah. So I cleaned it off. I sent them a note saying, can you do something about this? And they they hung a piece of tarp over the the railing that was our our shared railing there. And then uh, cleaned everything off. And then a day later, uh, the dust was at back again. So basically, Mm -hmm. our children were... Uh, they didn't have the front porch or the backyard to use. They were trapped inside for the oh, remainder geez. of the summer, wow. which was hard because they wanted to play out there. We wanted right, to let them play, right, but right. we couldn't because God knows what what was all over everything. So, did you were you dealing directly with the uh, with the owner, or were you dealing with whoever was on the crew that showed up that Both, day? Both. I did have the the email or the cell phone of the the one guy uh, I'd made contact with the first day, and you know I would, would talk to the the contractors as well. You know, make them aware of the damage to the wall. Ask them to, you know, do something about the dust. And it was never really satisfactory. So after about one and a half weeks of that, everything stopped. And I then heard from one of the owners that they had a falling out with the demo crew. Okay. And so... <laughs> that means it sounds reasonable, right? right? It sounds like they didn't pay. Something, falling out. Something happened, yeah. Right. They didn't pay right. and... Or, right. Yeah. So there was a, there was a falling out and work came to a halt. And uh, meanwhile, the front porch was loaded, <clears throat> piled high with trash bags. The yard was a mess. The backyard was more filled than ever. And it sat that way for over two weeks. So it got to the point where... Uh, I'd communicated this to our neighbors, and they're, they're pretty well aware of what was happening. So we drafted a letter uh, to the owners that we sent. We all signed and sent to them and said, "You need to do something about this immediately, or else you know we're going to have to call somebody in. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to report this stuff." So within two days, uh, a second crew was in there. They they uh, took everything away. But then something else kind of disturbing started to happen. They started to take away things that we personally felt were salvageable. Okay. Like what, a mantle? Um... Uh, well, like, you know, you can go either way in this, I understand, but all the doors, the doors on the, in these houses are very unique because I've tried to replace these doors before, find replacements in our house, and for the life of me, I can never find matching doors for this place. So they sold off all the doors. Uh, the front of the house was in pretty decent shape and it had a really nice mantle that tied in with other elements of the house and stuff like that. Uh, all that stuff was being ripped out. Mm. Um, things that, you know, again, people's tastes vary. Right. But I, I, these were very salvageable things, which I thought, really, why do people want to live in an old home? Right. Do you For- want to live in an old house that's all drywall and has nothing unique about it? Because there's, you could live in a new house that's... Ten times better in that department. Right, right. So they they just started kind of ripping things. That kind of broke our heart a little bit to see that part of it. So Judy, can you talk a little bit about that tension that exists, particularly here in Philadelphia, where there, you know, there's a, a subset of houses that are row houses that are mm-hmm. cookie cutter and you know very easy to figure out how to how to do the rehab on them, and then you mm-hmm. have these other houses that have a ton of character, right. and the, it's like pulling a thread. Once you start, mm-hmm. <laughs> once you start pulling mm-hmm. on it. To mm-hmm. to repair or replace something, right. it leads to something else, which leads to something else. And right. next thing you know, it's like, you know what? I wish I had never even touched that one thing. So exactly. can you talk about that, that tension that exists when people are buying a property and they, they, they want to renovate it, but you know, how, how do you navigate that? 
Well, like I said initially, um, when I w- first walked through the house and just saw the house, I mean, I had been to Jim's house before that, but um, it was just overwhelming, you know. So, <clears throat> like you said, the, the house had a it, they have a lot of character, you know. Um, you have no control, unfortunately, uh, especially when people from out of state. And I can appreciate the the New York investors because that's you know, to them, real estate in Philadelphia is like a oh, joke. Yeah, it's you like know? going to Walmart. I yeah. can buy a house for. Hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars and sell it for four, you know, or, or or just you know that scenario. So to them, you know, they have. I don't think they're not looking at it as how can we restore the house and use some of its unique qualities uh, to resell it. They're looking at it. Um, they send in a crew that does one thing and they fix a certain way. And a lot of the like the kitchens will be cookie cutter. The outsides will be cookie cutter. Um, they'll have a you know a certain idea. Um, open like open floor plans are all the rage. Yeah, they want to no more vestibules. You know when you walk in, um, no more anything that looks old is you know out out the door. Um, so in Jim's situation, he has a beautiful Victorian. It's very nice, and he likes to look at the unique characters and, and enhance them. And you have someone on the other side saying, I just want as much money as I can get from this property. Um, so it happens all the time. It's not, you know, his scenario and the, and what he was talking about with the, um, the initial crew going in. I hadn't heard that story. Um, it's very common. I mean, I've seen worse. <laughs> I mean, um, heard of worse. So it's very common. And I think people really, as soon as they see, oh no, that house is, is going to be sold. Um, I think it's automatic that people are, are nervous, you know, right. anywhere in the city, anywhere in the city. Right. So it's not right. just Germantown, um, but anywhere in the city. Right. So, Judy, what's your I mean, if you had been mentoring this um, this rehabber mm-hmm. that was uh, <laughs> Jim oh was uh, coming up against, what's some advice that you would give new rehabbers? on how to deal with the residents, the existing residents on the block. Because definitely, it seems like there was a communication problem mm-hmm. that was here. Absolutely. But how, what's, what, what's the tactful, good neighborly way to mm-hmm. approach this when you're, when, particularly you're an outsider coming into this neighborhood doing something um, that's going to affect many, many people sure, on that block? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, personally, because uh, right now I'm working in Nice Town, as I mentioned, um, to- totally unfamiliar with the area. Honestly, um, someone referred me to the block. Um, I actually got to know the next door neighbors. Um, I realized or I was told that there was a block community, like a kind of a captain for that block. And I introduced myself to her, you know, and I said I got to know her. Um, and actually during the rehab, I've been participating in like their Halloween they have for kids. Um, I leave candy, you know, I give them candy to give out for the kids. Um, and I've told them that and they, you know, they, I told them that I'm not renting the property. I'm going to be fixing it and we're going to be selling it. And, um, as it turns out, a lot of them have relatives or family on the block. So they're watching the project grow. You know, they're watching the, the progress of the property. Um, I think that in this case, because it sounds like it, they're New York investors or an investor. Oh no, these, these well, these are they're pretty young. And they're oh, okay. they're not from the city, from right outside the city, Montgomery oh. County. Yeah, Montgomery County. Okay, um, they actually, and I'm surprised they actually should be doing the same thing. Um, and I would be I would not be surprised if this was one of their first pr- 
projects. That's just my opinion. From Probably the, the scale. From the, yeah, from the Yeah, from the way that they've handled it. Um, because the last thing you want to do is have Ellen and I called on you and upset the person that, you know, is attached to your, to your home. Um, you want that person, you know, you want Jim and his wife to be the people that call and say, Hey, just to let you know, someone stopped by, or, you know, you might, you have an issue with the back or, you know, as the project's going, you want the people around you to be happy. Right. You want the neighbors to be your eyes and ears. Exactly. Exactly. In the neighborhood on the block. um, Exactly. Because yeah, you can't be there 24 seven. And from a business standpoint, I mean, you want people to say, wow, uh, you know, this person purchased the house, this uh, company purchased the house next to me, they did a beautiful job, no problems, and they'll give you a referral. You know, I know so-and-so across the street selling the home, you might be interested. So, you know, from a business perspective and from a personal perspective, you want the reputation to be good. Right, exactly, you know? exactly. So, Jim, why didn't you do, pull out the nuclear option <laughs> and call l i well, are you did? I, I, well, I, to be honest, we were kind of naive about how all this worked. We, because well, we were talking about like, do you need a permit for demo? Because uh, yeah. oh, we don't know you what do. we don't know what <laughs> they're do. doing. That's yes. that's the one thing I was going to say. And you know, we were kind of not really aware of, uh, you know, what they should or should not be doing. And so, you know, the demo halted. The demo got finished, and then uh, this. So you, other- so you think they didn't have a permit? Well, I, I well, I, the, the, the story continues. <laughs> the story better. continues. <laughs> okay. there, there's there's a lot of you have me on pins and needles here. So so then they brought in a whole other contracting crew, and um, you know a lot of things worry me about uh, these houses. Uh, one thing, not to go down too much of a rabbit hole here, is the the masonry on an old home. Because mm-hmm. for those who don't know, old brick is radically different than newer brick that's made. Therefore, you have to use a very specific mixture of mortar when you're repairing the brick because if you use modern-day mortar, it will destroy the brick and it crumbles for reasons I can get into, but I won't. But anyway, so you know, these are things you have to be aware of. And I know on our house there have been repairs made in the past with modern mortar and it's, it's just it, – some of the brick is crumbling. Hmm. So those are the kind of things that, you know, someone who's kind of paying attention, who's engaged in the the process should be aware of or at least very receptive to hearing about. So anyway, a new crew came in. Uh, I kind of interrogating them a little bit about what their plans are. And then they just kind of go uh, – they're cranking this thing out. They're, they ripped out the remainder of the stuff. Then they started uh, hauling in all this drywall. Uh, before that, though, there was a whole day spent because I was working from home that day where I felt like I was living next to a European techno club <laughs> because <laughs> there was some there was some uh, electrician, some, some kid in there, uh, an electrician, apparently doing all the wiring that day. And he was listening to something at some god awful level. And I actually had to go over and knock and say, can you turn it down a little? I'm trying to work. And then he continued on into the night. It was like. Eight thirty. He's still doing it. I had to go knock again and say, "Listen, dude, you got to cut it out. We have kids going to bed." But anyway, what I realized after the fact is he was in there to crank this stuff out so they can go back to work again. This crew. So they did things. We have giant picture windows on our homes. They pulled them out and they replaced it with just two side by side vinyl windows. Just the kind of things that are just very discouraging to see. Makes you wonder. And then meanwhile, I'm having these conversations like kind of intermittently with some of the owners. I was in the backyard the one day and the one guy came back, one of the owners, 
and he was telling me how um, they had ripped down their shed on their side. We both have sheds that come off our back door mm-hmm. that are connected to the house. They ripped theirs down, and we had just assumed they would rebuild. He's like, no, we decided we're not going to rebuild. We're just going to put a deck back there. And uh, we're going to have the house done in two months, and we're going to list it for $400,000. I'm like, what, what, what? Like, what? where is this coming? Like, I don't understand how you are coming to these conclusions about this stuff. Do you know nothing about anything in this area? Mm. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, good luck with that. And then just one other thing I'll add on top of this is we had our roof done also and uh, at the same time. So it was a major construction site on this house. Our roof was a, a pretty substantial job, but it was still in better shape than that roof next door. So uh, the roofer told me one day, one of the owners asked him, you know, about maybe doing their roof. And the roofer's like, well, what's your budget for it? And the kid told him, the owner, I'm sorry. The owner told him, <laughs> uh, we have $8,000 budget for the roof, which is approximately one quarter of the price mm-hmm. we paid for our house or paid for our roof to get redone. And probably one fifth of what we assumed it would cost to do their roof. So mm-hmm. they, they are assuming they're going to spend $8,000 on a roof that would probably so cost 30, close to $40,000. Okay, wow. That's completely, I mean, they're, that's... And so, so whenever I tell <laughs> people realistic. this story, uh, they, I keep getting the same response to people. It's like, oh, they sound like they think they're on an HGTV show. And then it got me wondering, because I don't watch any of those shows. I wasn't really aware of that. But it, it, people repeatedly said it to me, and it's like, oh. So that's where maybe this two-month timeline comes from this $8,000 budget for a roof because maybe they saw that somewhere without mm-hmm. really understanding mm-hmm. what the nature of this roof was and stuff like that. All these other things. And it's just like, oh boy. It's like it, your heart sinks a little bit more when you learn all these things. Uh, so anyway, they did this massive, pro- the, uh, tr- a tremendous amount of work in a short amount of time. And then we, I came home one day and there was a big sticker on the window on the front door, the big X on it. They got shut down by L and I. There you go. And that was on October 21st. No one is, as best I can tell, set foot in the property since then, and it will be a month come this Monday coming up. Wow. So it sat then. So that kind of blew their two-month timeline out of the water. And then, just one other thing I'll add to this. So there is, we actually, during all this, learned that there's a a really great resource uh, on the Philadelphia dot gov website mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's called their atlas site it's called uh yeah it's atlas dot gov and you can go there and you can look up any property in the city and it will give you a complete rundown of what goes on with that property so there's an actual licenses and inspections uh button on here so when i click on it i see that let's see there was um permits there's zero permits on it there you go so there was no permits were ever pulled on this. That is unbelievable. Uh, let's see. What else is there? Inspections. There was one inspection on it. Uh, it failed inspection. It was on that day, the 20th or 21st. Okay. Did they tell you? Uh, and then there's violations section. So it lists all the violations. They had six violations. Uh, no plumbing permit. Uh, uh, permit. Uh, ultra repair. No mm-hmm. permit. Uh, penalty. No building permit info. Uh, no electrical permit. Uh, all this stuff. So... Mm-hmm. <sighs> It just boggles my mind that they thought it was going to be okay to do this mm-hmm. and not get any permits for anything. I wonder if um, I wonder if the owner or owners thought that the contractor 
was going to get the permits and didn't well, ask. Because even, even, that, that seems really... Even if that were the case, I don't know. I mean, you know, is the contractor then lying to your face or are you making an assumption? I mean, you know, it's still your house. Mm-hmm. You're right, still on the hook right, for that. Right. I think it's, first of all, when they say a two, when they said a two-month turnaround, um, right then and there, they had no intentions of having any type of permits. Um, because if you're... But how would they get a certificate of occupancy? I mean, once the once the place was rehabbed and they go to list it for sale, mm-hmm. it needs to have a, a certificate of occupancy, and then it's going to be like, mm-hmm. I mean, any realtor is going to be like, we can't put this on the market, right? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it had, you know, I would venture to say that they watched a really good show, H, you know, a, a rehab show, so they see what's going on, but they don't see the background and all the real actual work that goes into it. Um, they, they obviously didn't uh, attend the uh, jumpstart program. Uh, <laughs> and the, I mean, complete novices. And I think the dollar signs, they just saw dollar signs and an opportunity to buy a property, you know, real cheap and not even having an idea as to where to start because the clean out alone, I mean, you and I talked about it, the clean out alone, it's um, ten grand. exactly, exactly. And that's a license, you know, with someone who has a crew. And is it realistic that they, it would take them a week? Probably. They would pull a permit and they would go in there and, you know, and nothing would be bagged and sitting outside. You know, clean outs. Right. Some clean outs, if it's a small house or a day, you know, and you don't see anything. You don't see any remnants of, of the clean out. And that's the first permit. So then the city knows right. that you're, this you're house is radar. being that this house is being worked on. So when you go to do, and they're going to say, okay, so if this is a complete demo, the next phase is, you know, electric, right? Mm -hmm. So they need to pull their electric, um, you know, their plumbing, right? And they need to stay, see things. And it takes, you know, it takes a couple weeks, depending on how quickly you are to get, you know, if the contractor or or if you're doing it yourself, how quickly that that person can come out, you know, and The other thing was, usually most contractors have, like, themselves advertised on their trucks and vehicles with their contractor number and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and Mm -hmm. then you know you think back like i don't remember seeing any of that on any Mm -hmm. of these contractors and stuff like that like i don't know who they are what qualifications they have Mm -hmm. and stuff like Mm -hmm. that Uh, and they they could have been subcontractors so there could have been someone that came to these buyers and said "We're, we're licensed and bonded and we'll we'll do the clean out and it'll cost you this much and uh if they're not obviously they weren't um, asking questions about, I mean, obviously, but I would guess that they weren't asking about permits and they don't know who's going into the home, right. you know? Right. So. right. Wow. That's so crazy. the way things stand right now, it's basically at a, a at a standstill. Yeah. Like I said, uh, it will, this Monday will be four weeks of just no activity mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's ground to a complete halt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really, I don't know if they're, you wonder, are they looking to cut their losses? Are they trying to regroup? You know, wh- I don't know what their next move is. Um, mm-hmm. well. Now, I've never been through that, um, but I would venture to guess when you ha- when if you have to go backwards and get you know the licenses or get the uh, inspections done, um, you're gonna they're gonna be opening up walls oh, yeah. for plumbing they have, they have for electric. Oh yeah, um, uh-huh. and, you know, start from scratch. And it's, uh, I wouldn't be, I mean, the house is going to sit. It's not going to be something that's going to, unfortunately, yeah. you know, you make might its still end up getting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it might come full circle. It, it might come full circle. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this young man might decide, you know what? Hey, Jim, 
give me forty. Here's the keys. Here's the keys. <laughs> <laughs> give me give me fifty k, and it's yours. I, I wonder about that. I just I just worry about my own personal bandwidth <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a crazy. And you know, the one thing I, I mentioned when we spoke earlier, it's like, you know, the whole jumpstart program really kind of did a lot of good things, but it's also kind of the program that launched a thousand flippers. You know, you suddenly have people, I think, and it's something I said right before air, you kind of have uh, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, someone like Judy was saying, you shouldn't pay a dollar more than this because you have all these other obligations to get. And then someone else comes in and says, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make $400,000 off it. And they, they kind of, they're, they, they have all these false uh, premises or, or, you know, ideas on what's going to happen. You know, then it's, it's everyone's going down with the ship. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a rough experience so far. Well, I mean, in defense of the Jumpstart program, it, it is training and there's mentorship. And if people go out and go forth and multiply and don't follow preset rules that exist for a reason. I'm not even calling them rules. It's just like standards. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can be. Right. You yeah, so so, so you, you have these people that are kind of responsibly and ethically kind of guided through this. And then, you know, but then a byproduct of them suddenly heating up a market is mm-hmm. it draws the attention of people who have no experience or credentials or maybe the best interest of the community in mind. And then, you know, you, you kind of have that friction there with things, right. unfortunately. Right, so right. It's kind of like a byproduct of uh, hopefully getting something, and, you know, that feeds in the whole gentrification mm-hmm. argument and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, you know, it's one of those, it's, it makes it very complicated. Well, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be happening more and more. Um, before the show is looking, there's a Zillow Home Index for this zip code, the 19144 zip code. The you know home values, median home value has actually gone up more than this overall city average, mm-hmm. and so uh, and it's still very affordable. Clearly, here in Germantown, right. mm-hmm. so when you know people are doing their demographic information, they're looking at proximity to the center city, proximity to SEPTA. Um, you know, the neighborhood has a lot of positives in its favor, and it's just going to be a matter of time that there are going to be more of right. these. Mm-hmm. Um, confrontations that mm-hmm. are happening between longtime residents and, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, people that are a little green, mm-hmm. you know? So one of the things that I think is really, really important, and Jim, thanks for bringing up that, that website. I will put a link to that on the, the podcast page for this episode. But, you know, folks, if you are out there in a neighborhood, and this doesn't, this is beyond Germantown, you know, look for a legitimate permit to be displayed somewhere on the premises, um, the city of Philadelphia requires that the permit or a copy of the permit be posted somewhere conspicuous. All construction sites should have a panel that dis- displays the details of the construction. If you cannot see one, you can try asking the workers at the site if they have a permit to build, especially if the site looks suspicious or possibly illegal. If they don't, you should call 311. Or, uh, as Jim said, you know, go to the atlas.phila.gov website. There's a lot of great information. Um, the city of Philadelphia doesn't do a lot of things right, but that website <laughs> yeah, is say, actually, it's mobile it's responsive <laughs> on your phone. You can get a lot of information in this one place. And I looked up, I'm having work done right now on my roof, and I looked my, my property address up there, and it, everything was correct. 
my name was listed. The contractor's name was listed. Do you so, have any interest in an old Victorian rehab? <laughs> hey, you know, hey, if you can get <laughs> if you can get it from this young man for forty k, there you go. <laughs> so it could it could still pencil out. You know, Judy and I could yeah, could party together on it. Obviously, my situation is not unique. No, it's, it's been no. painful. Uh, but I think we've learned some good things here, right? I think uh, Judy gave a great example of how how to kind of in, engage with your neighbors, mm-hmm. your however temporary they may be. Because, um, you know, I think that's the one thing. They're your neighbors now, but they're not going to be your neighbors in a few months. And you're stuck with whatever they do for the rest of your time on that block right, and that right. whole community is. But like Judy's approach is about looking f- looking at it as a long-term relationship, not as this one transaction. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the way, you know, Judy's in it for the long game, right? So mm-hmm. this whole idea being, hey, if I do this right, everybody's going to be happy and it's just going to be, it's like the law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. More positivity, more business potentially could flow from this one deal, from this one house being right. done properly. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the one house done, hey, this guy gets his $400,000 payday if he's lucky, but he's burned. His reputation is burned on the street. So even if this guy was exactly. successful you know, through all this nuisance and all this disruption, right. even if he did hit the jackpot, and single-handedly raised <laughs> raised the comparable value on your street right. by at that what, amount. At what cost? At what cost? Nobody would want to see him do another project on the street. Mm-hmm. So right. he he's burned either way. He's burned his reputation either way. So negative attention, I think, uh, travels quicker, right? Yeah. And they would see him setting up <laughs> yeah. somewhere else, and and all eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. And the the thing is, is that it's a small. <laughs> even though it's a big city, Philadelphia is a city of neighborhoods, and it's ultimately a very small town. And even though Jim didn't tell me initially who the guy's name was, mm-hmm. I figured out who it was. Oh, okay. Based on based on a few clues, and so I told Jim this morning. Oh, I saw him posting on Facebook oh. another issue, another problem okay. he's having. So, and he's like, oh, and then he told me the guy's full name. I was like, yep, oh, yep. Oh, interesting. Because so I, 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 I was going to, I'm yeah. going to ask him after I get yeah. off the air. <laughs> Because I said, is he, you know, New it's a York? Small, is he... it's, it's a small mm. town. I mean, you know, people, the word gets around mm-hmm. and the, the real estate community, the real estate investor community, the rehabber community, everybody knows everybody else. It's like six degrees of sec- uh, Kevin Bacon or whatever there that term go. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So word gets around. So even though it's a big city, if people don't do the right thing in one neighborhood, that reputation is going to, that's going to follow them. And uh, just just reiterate this atlas.phila.gov mm-hmm. website because... And we don't get any commission or anything like that. This is a pure no, public service yeah. announcement. The, this, the city, I, I believe, genuinely the, did a good yeah, job in did. this particular project because it really aggregates a lot of helpful information that you would be scratching your head on otherwise because I could see if there were any... I mean, there's a whole laundry list of larger categories in addition to property assessments, deeds, licenses, yeah, inspections. Nice. Uh, Violations. Yeah, vi- yeah, that all falls under the LNI. Zoning, voting, what's nearby, yeah. things like that. They yeah. really uh, aggregated uh, a lot of helpful data from all across their, their systems. Yeah, it's, nice. it's user-friendly. Um, it's mobile responsive, so when you're on your phone, the screen fits... And you can also report a violation. So not only can you see stuff that's happening on a particular address, but you can also report. And if you're not comfortable filling something out, you can call 311. So the city, from the, from the standpoint of notifying the city that something sketchy is happening on a particular property or on a particular uh, block, there are tools. And you don't even have to give your name if you don't want right. to. 
So because the city wants, it's a safety issue. If there's something happening, the city wants to hear directly from from the residents. I was looking for some stats. I think L&I might have like maybe 160 inspectors, which wow. really isn't okay. a, a lot when you think about the, the size the of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So they, they need, they need residents. They need all of us to be the eyes and ears. And folks, you know, don't be, you know, don't be petty about things. Try to communicate with, with the person who's doing the stuff. But also if you see something sketchy happening, report it to the city. Don't be afraid to report it to the city. Well, well, Jim and Judy, it's been great having you guys on, and I think kind of having that other side of because um, typically this show does talk to to people who are doing the rehabbing and doing the redevelopment. But I think it's always good to hear directly from folks who have seen how it's impacting, potentially could, uh, negatively impacting uh, some of the residents. And I think that a lot of the information that we gave today will be very useful to our listeners and for anybody who's listening outside of philadelphia the same rules kind of apply in terms like every city has a department that is responsible for the zoning for the permitting just uh, google is your friend (laughs) google is your friend in these sorts of situations okay so we've reached the end of another episode of the jumpstart philly real estate radio show Uh, remember you can always find past episodes of the show as a podcast on apple google play stitcher and spotify And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review. Every single one helps, and it's greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.